So I remember telling my parents, I'm like, I'm gonna, you know, this first year it was awful. I'm just gonna like, I'm gonna tell the coach, thank you for everything. I went to practice that day, and this was at the end of the season. We ran sprints, we were doing hills and stuff. We get done, and one of the assistant coaches, Rick Johnson, comes over and he puts his arm around me, completely out of the blue, unbeknownst that I was planning on telling him I was quitting, and said, I know this has been a rough year for you, but I swear to God, if you stick to this sport, you're gonna light the world up. And I remember when he said it, I remember where I was standing. I went back in the car that day and I told my parents, I'm like, this guy really believes in me. Like, there's no way I can let this man down now, right? So at that moment, I learned the power of, yeah, will, but also the power of the fact that it's always the right, right time to say the right thing. So when I'm a coach now, if I see something or if I feel like a kid is, is struggling or I see any kind of emotion on his face that might be negative, I never resist the temptation to go over and say something to that kid because I have no idea if it's going to impact him in the right way or not, right? Southwest Florida is one of the most beautiful places on the planet to live. For those of you that are thinking of moving from other states to come to Florida, or even just moving to a different part of the state, I want you to think of a big, beautiful luxury home. Contact Legacy Luxury Builders. They are a family-owned and operated luxury residential construction company. As a family-owned business, they believe in the power of building not just homes, but legacies. Contact Legacy Luxury Builders. Unlock your true potential on the field and court with our peak mental performance program for athletes. Train your mind to conquer challenges, stay focused under pressure, and achieve unparalleled success. Our expert coaches will guide you through personalized techniques, enhancing concentration, resilience, and confidence. Picture yourself outperforming your rivals, making split-second decisions with clarity, and achieving victory like never before. Join us today and elevate your game to new heights. Peak Mental Performance Program, where champions are forged in the mind. Email me today, sean.french at thedeterminedsociety.com for more information. See you inside. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another show of the Determined Society podcast. I am your host and mental performance coach, Sean French. And with me today, guys, I have a lacrosse legend. My buddy, Greg Grinlian, has a 14-year career as a professional lacrosse player. He's a husband, a father, still an athlete, and he is the owner of the Faceoff Academy. Welcome, my boy, to the show. What's up, man? Sean, what's up, man? Pumped to be on here, brother. Love what dude, you're doing, it's been dude. a long time coming, bro, dude. It's been a long time coming, but we got it figured out, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we got it. We got it figured out easy. Oh, dude. It's so funny because like I always, you know, find ways to connect with people on this amazing social platform. And you're one of those guys. I can just tell how real you are and how much you care about athletes and in the sport of lacrosse. Walk us through your journey a little bit. Like, you know, cause lacrosse to me, dude, growing up, like I didn't see a whole bunch of it in California. So walk the audience through your journey for those that might not know you. Sure. Yeah. I mean like a quick, just sort of like a real quick rundown. I, I grew up in Philadelphia. I started playing lacrosse my freshman year of high school because I just wanted everybody in Springfield in Delaware County. Um, the cool kids played lacrosse mm. and I was a baseball guy up until then. So I started playing lacrosse my freshman year, um, which was probably almost eight years later than most kids. Um, got made fun of, got bullied about it. It was really tough to get going. Got my feet underneath me, worked my ass off. And then, um, you know, eventually out of nowhere, right before my senior year, school started calling and, um, 
Penn State was my dream school. I grew up watching Penn State football. I could probably tell you every quarterback at Penn State from like 1988 on. And um, half of my dad's side of the family all went there. So uh, when I started getting recruiting letters from Penn State, it was a wrap. I didn't. I knew nothing about mm-hmm. Penn State lacrosse. I just wanted to go to the school. And I also wanted to be um, a kinesiology major. And they have one of the best programs in the world. So it was a layup. Went there, had a great career, um, ended up getting drafted into what used to be called Major League Lacrosse and played for from 2006 until 2017. And then amongst the same time at uh, with Team USA, I played from about 2012 till 2018. Retired in 2017 from Major League Lacrosse as the uh, the league's all-time leader in face-off wins and a bunch of other, st- uh, other stuff. Had a, you know, got a championship, um, was a league MVP once, and then the Premier Lacrosse League, started by Paul Rabel and his brother. Um, Paul is like a huge star in the sport of lacrosse. Um, they decided to start their own league, and they basically swallowed up the Major League Lacrosse, absorbed them, and I came back out of retirement for one year to play in the PLL in 2019. And then I hung it up. Um, during that time in 2011, I blew my knee out, thought it was a career ending injury. Uh, while I was at that point, I was a full-time strength coach. I had a company called Brawlick strength in New York city. And, um, I decided that summer to write a program, a training program on face-offs based strictly on biomechanics. And when I came back from my injury, I had a career year and every kid I started teaching this system to, started crushing it, going division one, setting records, being all Americans. So we built an entire um, website out of it, the faceoffacademy.com. And now it were, you know, by far the biggest um, entity when it comes to training faceoff guys worldwide. So international teams, first, second, third team, all Americans in college. Every year we have 30, 40, 50 guys that go and play division one lacrosse that get recruited from our system. We have our national showcase this December every year. It's, this will be the 11th year we've done it. We get a 250 of the best face-off guys in the country. So it's become my full-time gig. I sold my strength training business um, in 2014 um, after things really took off. So, yeah, that's that's been my, my story. And ever since, I've just been full-time in uh, face-off academy. And I also do that. Uh, you and I had met on Instagram, and I do a lot mm-hmm. of strength conditioning stuff still now. Um, I call it the official beast lab and I do remote strength training for specifically lacrosse players for the most part as well. That's amazing guys. You can't see him unless you're watching this, but like this dude looks like Brock Lesnar. Like he's <laughs> built like that dude. He's, he's massive. It's f- and funny. Like the, f- one of the first posts that I saw of him was him in his garage lifting and it was raining outside. I'm like, do that guy from the profile. Is that Brock Lesnar? Absolutely <laughs> ginormous. And it's almost more baffling. The fact that you said you got bullied in high school. Um, yeah. I bet you those bullies are scared as shit to kind of run into you now. Well, you know, it's uh, funny, Sean, like I have this nickname, uh, beast and mm-hmm. a lot of people who don't know me well, Oh, this guy walks around calling himself beast. Like, you know, cause he thinks it's, it's actually, I got that nickname when I was a freshman in high school playing lacrosse. And I was terrible. I couldn't catch and throw, but it was the first sport. I was never allowed to play football. So it was the first team sport that I was allowed to hit people in. So I just ran around mm. trying to ear hole everybody. So the, the <laughs> seniors would stand around the field, watch the JV games, and they'd all be making fun of me. They'd be yelling, beast, because I was this skinny little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to Penn State at 170, and they put me on 10,000 calories a day when I was there. 
and I left. Damn. It. Yeah, I left at two ten. So now Dude, people Lord, are like, oh, he thinks he's so big. He calls himself Beast. I'm like, no, Beast is actually like an endearing, like making fun yeah. of me name. It's like Lil John. Yeah. You know, like that's Dude, that's what I look at it like. I had one back in the day. I don't think I've ever said this on air, but like in in my first year of college, I was very soft. Like I was a fat kid. And dude, they called me Squishy, bro. Squishy, Squishy, Squishy. <laughs> dude, that's what I call my. That's what I call my two-year-old. I call my two-year-old Squish. <laughs> dude, Squish. I was like, hey, come on, Squish, huh, Squish? And I'm like, dude, it was, it was mortifying. But now, when I see those, and I hope you guys are listening, because now I got you guys. You know, we're forty-five. Turn forty-five tomorrow, and they're the Squishy ones. You know, <laughs> Happy they're the birthday, squishy dude. Ones. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. Tomorrow, October twenty-eighth. The faux five. Listen, man. Um, you know, I want to, I want to give the audience some major value in one of those things that you said, and you're talking about your background, because there's a lot to unpack there, right? A lot of things point to your mental toughness and your determination, but there's one thing that I really want to focus on in 2011, you blew out your knee career ending in injury. And out of that, was born a whole lifetime of impact that you're making to lacrosse. Like talk about that, man. Like you yeah. created something there, man. Like that's to me, I got goosebumps because that is taking an adverse situation and really creating something out of it. So let's spend some time on that. As you know, there are pivotal moments in your life where, and I made a post about this. I do that Monday mindset post. Mm-hmm. And I said like, I'm self-made, but I didn't do it myself. And Mm -hmm. and what I meant by that was there are two pivotal moments in my life where I, my whole path could have gone two different ways. So, Mm -hmm. like I said, I got made fun of relentlessly my freshman year of high school for, you know, playing lacrosse at practice and all that stuff. And, um, I was not used to that. Like I was a born athlete. I was good at soccer, basketball. I would play the sport during the season and then throw those cleats in the, in the closet and play a different sport and be good at it. Lacrosse, what I actually appreciate about it is it doesn't matter how athletic you are. You can't fake lacrosse because if you can't catch and throw and make the stick like one with your body, then you're completely useless. You know, I mean, we could put Aaron Donald out there in a lacrosse field and he'd be completely useless if he couldn't catch and throw, which is wild to think about. Mm-hmm. So right. I remember telling my parents, I'm like, I'm going to, you know, this first year it was awful. I'm just going to like, I'm going to tell the coach, thank you for everything. I went mm-hmm. to practice that day, and this was at the end of the season. We ran sprints. We, we were doing hills and stuff. We get done, and one of the assistant coaches, Rick Johnson, comes over, and he puts his arm around me, completely out of the blue, unbeknownst that I was planning on telling him I was quitting, and said, mm-hmm. I know this has been a rough year for you, but I swear to God, if you stick to this sport, you're going to light the world on fire. And I remember when he said it. I remember where I was standing. I went back in the car that day, and I told my parents, I'm like, this guy – really believes in me like there's no way I can let this man down now right so at that moment I learned the power of yeah will but also the power of the fact that it's always the right right time to say the right thing so when I'm a coach now if I see something or if I feel like a kid is is struggling or I see any kind of emotion on his face that might be negative I never resist the temptation to go over and say something to that kid because I have no idea if it's going to impact him in the right way or not right Um, and then my knee blew out. I remember in 2011, I blew my knee out up until that point. If for people who understand uh, the sport of lacrosse, you already get this, but people who don't, I did one very specific position, which was face-offs. So before every quarter and after every goal, the teams line up and they have a designated guy on the middle of the field, whose job is to fight for the ball, get it, 
get it to your team, and then run off. You, you play for like 15 to 30 seconds at a time, and you do it 30 times a game. And if you can win a large majority of those, you give your team a very massive majority of the possessions. So it helps you a ton. So it's become the most valuable position in the sport. But there weren't really specialists at it when I was coming up in high school. So I played offensive midfield in college. I did all that stuff. But I started taking the face-offs. My junior year at Penn State, I started taking all of them. And I excelled. And I became all-conference in that. And that's when I went to the pros, that was the first time they told me, you're only going to face off here. So I was still just doing it as an athlete. I didn't have a a rhyme or reason for the techniques I was using. I was just kind of like, you know, if somebody was really good, I'd copy them. When I blew my knee out, that was the first time in my life that being an athlete was snatched away from me for a while because I had had injuries before. I've broken so many bones, but like this was scary, right? Mm. So you're sitting there like, what am I doing? Like, I don't do anything halfway in my life. Why did I take this gift where I'm playing in professional lacrosse, which is like 0.0000001% of the population that makes it to this? And I took it for granted by just going out there and winging it as an athlete. So I was kind of embarrassed. So, you know, I started writing this programming because a couple of my friends, Jerry Raganese and Chris Mattis, who were also professional lacrosse players, wanted to do a series of clinics during the summer, which I was like, that's great because I'm a strength coach. But during the summer, a lot of my clients, they go to the Hamptons. So this would be like a cool thing to do during the summer. And when I wrote the program and came back to training camp and started smashing people, my, my, my buddy, with Jerry, was like, dude, like, we got to teach everybody this. And it was literally just lining up correctly, having the, you know, playing the angles and stuff. But I, I remember when I talked to kids, because as you know, child ACL injuries have become so massively prevalent compared to when we were growing up. No, no kids blew their ACL out when we were growing up. Dude, there's so many injuries going on yeah. right now. And it's all specialization. Baseball. It's because kids do one thing 700 times we'll a day there. year round. We'll get there. Um, yeah, we're going to get there today. So for me, I tell the kids, I go, look, when a kid tells me he has an injury like this, it's devastating. So you have to be sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. So I tell them, I go, look, this is the plan. Because everyone right now is just telling you how you should feel. I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You are going to spend the next 24 hours feeling sorry for yourself. Get it all out. Because after that, you need to wake up and you need to start working on what you're going to do to fix it. So you can either sulk for 48 hours, 72 hours, feel sorry for you, or you can accept the fact that this happened to you. What are you going to do about it? Right? If you're analytical, you can't be emotional. So if you're focused every day on your rehab, if you're focused on your surgery date, if you're focused on your comebacks, every single step you go in there and do, you don't have time to sit around and feel sorry for yourself. So that's what I tell the kids. And they come back stronger because, you know, look, my, my left ACL, that's a tendon. My right ACL is a ligament. So <laughs> I actually have a stronger left knee now. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's the way I looked at it. And it paid off because if I didn't do that, then I just, you know, who knows what would have happened to me. I certainly wouldn't be right here right now for sure. No, for sure. Do you have people in your life at that time that helped you down that road? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you do that for others now. But who helped you get my, through those emotional moments? Unequivocally, my wife. Like I, I tell people all the time, the, real, the realization that I wanted to marry this woman was when she had started working for Michael Kors. She was you know, young, trying to do her thing. And here she was filling my ice bucket helping me get to the bathroom the first two days after my surgery, taking me, driving me to Midtown, like taking a cab with me to Midtown, getting me out of the cab, watching me scream for an hour in pain, bring me back home, get my ice set up, go back to work. And 
the next, as soon as I recovered the next spring, I proposed to her because like, this woman is a winner. Um, yeah. So, you know, absolutely her, of course, my parents, my parents, you know, you see a lot of different sports parents, types of sports parents, right? <laughs> Good and bad. Yeah. I had the perfect sports parents. I never heard anything after any game other than you were great. I love you. That's it. I didn't get, oh, you know, next time you should try this or, you know, your coach was doing the wrong thing. None of that stuff. My parents stood by themselves under the scoreboard and always gave me a hug. And that was that. So they were always there for me no matter what. And my wife was there for me. And that got me through it, man. Because, you know, look, I'll be honest, Sean, like, there's, I'm not good at surface level friendships. I'm terrible mm -hmm. at that. Like I, either yeah. you're, you're, you and I are dogs or, and I'll, and I will drive anywhere at any time of the day to help you in a situation or we're just a, wow. that's it. Right. Like, yep. so I know for me, if like, I, I've had a lot of people that, you know, they blew their knee out or where like, I'm there for them. But not that many people were there for me. Just the ones that yeah. really, that you can really count on. So yeah, I dug my heels in and I got it done, you know? That's awesome, dude. And, you know, we talked a lot about where you just touched on, you know, you had the perfect sports parents, right? You had the perfect parents. Like they just come to you and say, I love you. You were great. Yep. You know, I try to tell my kids, I really love watching you work hard today. Yeah. That's it. And dude, in baseball, like I'm, <laughs> I coach my son and, you know, and I talked about this, I think on another show that hasn't aired yet. So for the people listening to this one, they listen to the last one. I'm sorry, but you're going to hear it again. Spoiler. I failed. I, I failed the other day. Yeah. I failed the other day with my son. He, uh, he's at this, this, this time where he likes to fake an injury. If he messes up on the baseball field. Oh yeah. So how, how old is he? He's nine. Okay. <laughs> Triggers me, Greg. Triggers the absolute, you know what, out of me, bro. Yeah. I can't effing handle it, man. Yeah. And so I say to him, he, you know, fills the ball at shortstop. Okay. Plenty of time. He came through the baseball. He's ready to make a play. There's nobody on. I literally just got told, done telling him, hey, beat us. Ball, ground ball to you. You're going one. Gives me that little head shake. Yeah, dad, got yeah. you, coach. You know, gets baseball ready. You know, because that's, I guess, what we say to kids. Hey, baseball ready. Next pitch, dude. Where's it hit? Right to Bobby Doster French, dude. What's he do when he gets the ball? Looks at home, looks at second, <laughs> looks at third. <laughs> Didn't throw it to first. Nope. Ended up over, gets upset because I'm like, one, <laughs> one. Throws it back to the pitcher, but over his head. So he throws the ball in the shitter. Like, catcher's chasing it now. The guy's running from first to second. They throw the ball to second base after I'm yelling, eat it, don't throw it. He got stepped on. And for those of you listening, not watching, I'm throwing up air quotes. He, he, his, his glove hand, you know, index finger got stepped on by the second baseman crying. You know, I have to put him on the bench cause he just can't, can't continue. Everybody's yeah. getting him ice. And so I, I said to him, this is where I failed. Look, man, why is it every time? You don't make a play. Something hurts. And I don't know if I failed. Like, I felt like it. I felt like I failed because the look in his eyes. I'm mm. like, oh, shit. Right? But, like, I kept going. I'm like, no, seriously. Answer me the question. Like, why is it that when you don't make a play, you're hurt? I would much rather you be like, 
get him next time, coach. I, I don't care if he yeah. if he messes up. Well, like the, I mean, the, the mental the mental thing. What would is you what, if you think you failed? What would you have said in in like differently? Because I don't I mean, think there's happened? anything innately wrong with what you said. No, but everybody was looking at me, dude. Like, yeah, like French is about to lose his shit, right? But to me, in the heat of the moment, there could have been much worse things that I could have said. Mm-hmm. Like that was garbage. Don't cry after you don't make a play. Yeah. Right. I could have said that, but I said, why is it every single time you don't make a play? You act like you're hurt. Yeah. You know, I, I think I could, I think tone and delivery is, is everything, oh, especially yeah. for, for a nine-year-old. And so, you know, I pulled him aside and talked to him. I said, Hey, look, man, you know, I, I apologize if I came off, you know, like I was getting on to you. I just, I'm really curious. Like why, why does this always happen? Yeah. And he's just like, I got stepped on. I was like, okay, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go to, we're gonna, we're gonna go to the grave with it, Dad. <laughs> and I, and so I was like, all right, cool. I was like, awesome. So well, what you're saying is, I think you there's do also in the off season. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I mean, I, that's. I think there's also something to be said though for look. This is part of a learning experience in team sports, mm-hmm. right? You have a duty to the guys that are on your team. Look, it's just kids mm-hmm. baseball, but it's important. The whole reason we play team sports is so we can learn life lessons, right? Yeah. The wins and losses will happen, that's great. But so like as a kid when you're at when you're at work and you don't get your job done when you're a grown up, you can't just pretend like your ankle hurts because you didn't get your report right. done. Right? So yeah. it's important for all the other kids on the team and the parents to see that you're going to hold him accountable because you're like, look, they depend on you. But yeah, yeah I mean, look, as dads, it's always tough. That's why you know, I got asked when Jax wanted to play lacrosse in our town league. The LMYL league here is phenomenal. They keep it fun. Mm-hmm. They, you know, inject um, knowledge into it. And they asked me immediately because they recognized his last name. Like, hey, Greg, like, do you want to come coach here? I was like, look, I love you guys. and I appreciate what you're doing. I coach six days a week. All I want to do is be dad for an hour. And I don't want to mm-hmm. I don't want Jax to have any pressure because I respect the hell out of the fact that you're coaching your son because I don't know if I can do that. Like. I would be thinking the whole time of what is the right thing to say and how to say it. So it doesn't look like I'm favoriting him and I don't want him to think that I'm being harder on him. So yeah, I have always said like, unless like a a coach has a heart attack on the sidelines and I have to hop in, I'm, I'm sitting over here at my wife, just like smiling and waving. Um, But it is, it's tough. You never know what's exactly the right thing to say. You know, I think, I think for me, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I, I, I sat for so many years, right? I, I've, I've been an assistant for him the whole time. You yeah. know, I never wanted to be the main guy. And after last year, I was like, no, no more, no more. Like I'm going to develop him. I'm going to develop others. Like it is what it is. Like, do I miss just being dad? Hell yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Like I just, you know, I don't ever get to watch a game and yeah. just be satisfied to watch my son. I'm moving him around. I'm moving somebody else around. You know, I'm, I'm on him about acting like he's hurt. Well, he probably might have hurt a little bit, but I think his I think his pride was hurt mostly, and he was embarrassed. You yeah. know, so he's gonna get better. But dude, coaching your own kid is is a blessing, but also it's very very difficult. And granted, as he gets older, I'm not doing it. Yeah, that I'm no somebody else. It's like a lose when lose gets, when you're older, especially like in high school, like varsity. It's like oh, oh his son's only playing because he's. Uh, oh, you know, it's like, well, his son just hit a home run. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, my son would hit a home. Okay, man. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, sure. Your son, your son can't even tie his cleats. Yeah, 
Let's go. Um, we touched on, you know, and I want to, I want to get to this. Sorry, audience. We got, we got sidetracked into parenting, but you know, don't judge us. Um, specializing too soon in injuries, man. I, I, I got to tell you as, <clears throat> excuse me, as I get older, I'm seeing more baseball players, like more young kids have Tommy John surgery, have, arm injuries, right? Cause I could speak to baseball. How is it in lacrosse, man? Because it's dude, it's like these kids are not playing other sports anymore. Yeah. You know, it's tough because it's a total catch 22. Mm -hmm. You'll have every college division one lacrosse coach will say, I like three star three sport athletes. I like three sport. Make sure you're playing three sports, but then they're, they're on the sidelines in the fall watching fall ball tournaments for recruiting. Mm -hmm. Like this three star, this three sport athlete isn't can't is missing because he's playing football. Oh, I really wanted to watch him. So you're recruiting kids year round, but you're also saying that they have to be three sport athletes. So what you really mean is if I recruit a kid that I really like on the field and he just so happens to play three sports, that's a that's a home run. Yeah, I get that. So it's tough because also as a coach, you're like, I'm not gonna not recruit. Um, yeah, but these kids fall behind, man. So like, look, my my business model is totally based on the fact that kids want to face off from the time they're in fifth grade up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I am actively telling kids every single year, please, we have different styles of training, right? If I'm a Muay Thai fighter, I'm not going to fight somebody every single night for an hour and a half. Right. right. I'm going to work on my striking. I'm going to have recovery days. I'm going to work mm -hmm. on my technical stuff. Then I'm going to spar. We're going to have specific things we focus on when we're sparring. Like these kids, when they face off, the problem with face offs is it is repetitively to the same spot. It's always a right handed face off, regardless of what hand you are. So it's your right labrum and your right wrist that suffers the most because not only are you doing something, but there's somebody on the other side creating impact. So there's an impact to your labrum on every rep. And I beg these kids. I'm like, dude, please, I did it for 20 years. I'm telling you right now, your body can't handle you doing this. This year alone, my 2023 class, the kids who went in as freshmen, I got a freshman that went to Notre Dame, Penn State, and Ohio State. All three had shoulder surgery this at the end of the summer. And I, those three guys in particular, I was begging for three years. I'm like, please stop going over Andrew's house and taking face-offs for two hours every night. And, you know, I've always said this. Coaching prepared me for being a father because every day kids aren't listening to me, right? Yeah. I'm like, what else do I have to accomplish in this sport for you to believe that I know everything you need to know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Go be a kid for a day and play Nintendo. You don't have to take face-offs for two hours tonight. But it's, it's peer pressure, man. These kids, yeah. you know, when you and I were growing up, I had to outwork the kids that were in my class, Right. Now, these kids are on Instagram all day, every day, and they see a kid from Europe who's playing soccer six hours a day, and his dad keeps posting about how awesome he is when he's, you know, six years old. So now my son's waking up, and he's looking at these YouTubes going, wow, I can't do that yet. I should be able to do that. Dad, I want to be on the advanced travel team. Dad, I want to do – so, I mean, the pressure is greater than ever, and the parents – the parents are worse than ever, man. It's Dude, worse than ever. It's <laughs> – I'm sitting here and I'm lighting up because like every single talking point I'm thinking when you're talking, you're bringing it up before me. This is a truly 
aligned episode. And I don't mean, and, 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 and I don't want to say like parents are worse as in they're terrible people. No. I mean, I they're know. making, they're making the biggest mistakes I've ever seen in the largest amount of numbers. Um, yeah, it, yeah. you, you, you know, have the like, different, different yeah. things. Totally dude. And like, what you know, you're talking about, like I lit up when you start talking about these kids are on Instagram, the pressure is different, dude. Like when we, when we, when we were playing, like I, dude, we didn't even have MySpace when I was at LSU playing baseball. No, like, I mean, Facebook wasn't around yet, man. Yeah. Like that was like the year or two after I left. So just imagine like, if you're one of these lacrosse athletes, you're in seventh or eighth grader and you're on Twitter or you're on Instagram and you're following all these travel organizations for lacrosse and all these big lacrosse players locally. And you start seeing official visits, dude, commitment, you season. Start seeing committed, committed season, bro. Like I have a friend that his son is one hell of a quarterback here locally. It's not a dig on anything. Like he's a stud. He's been going on visits for years. It's like Florida State, LSU, UF, Miami, Penn State, Ohio State, Kentucky. Like, dude, everywhere. Like, that becomes the measuring stick for these other kids. Yeah. And so naturally, to your point, where Jax goes, I can't do this yet. I'm watching this YouTube. And now they overtrain. Now they're they're focusing on something, and, and they end up getting hurt. But more than that, I think what really hurts is the mental side of this. Let's talk about that because I think there's a lot yeah. of pressure there. Well, I played sports growing up because I liked the sport. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. I started karate when I was six, did that for 10 years. Um, and then when I didn't like it anymore, when I didn't want to do it because it got in the way of my sports, my parents were like, okay. I did wrestling for years. I love the individual stuff. The team sports, man, I played soccer. I played basketball. I played baseball. And I did it year-round. And then I started playing lacrosse literally because I wanted to make friends. Hmm. I didn't think about college until the first day I get this letter from Towson University. And I'm like, what the hell? I can go to play in college doing this? It's amazing. <laughs> so, but now every dad, oh, you know, my son is, you know, he's going to join this club team. What's the best way to get him exposure for colleges? Well, how old's your son? Well, he's eight. Jesus. Holy shit. Like you need a you need a checkup from the neck up, dude, bro. But all Good all they, that's all the kids are all the kids are playing lacrosse because they want to play in college. They're yeah. not playing lacrosse because they love playing lacrosse. So mm -hmm. I've always said the same thing. My son, man, the only thing he hears after a game is, "Did you have fun?" He'll come, "Dad, I scored two goals and we beat that team. Did you have a good time?" Yeah, that's all I care about. Yeah. Don't care about anything else. If at some point he becomes this superstar and he's obsessed and he then sure, I'll foster whatever he wants. Um, sure. But, you know, it's interesting. I think like people like you and I, what I get a lot of is because I'm the way I am, people have an assumption, right? So they're like, you know, is Jack's going to play lacrosse? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he can do whatever. As long as, as long as he works as hard as he can, right? Not really. If he, if he wants to play soccer just because he wants to make the team because he has friends on the team, and he doesn't care about sitting on the bench and he only practices at practice. Great. That's actually mm -hmm. less pressure for me, but mm -hmm. he just can't come home one day and complain to me. He's not playing because he's not practicing enough. That's where he'll get the talk mm -hmm. of what you put into it correlates exactly to what you get out of it. But 
I'm not one of those dads or coaches that is like, you better give 110% and all the time because that's not reality, man. That's not life. You know, like think about college. Was there a class that you didn't give it your all in? I know there were classes like that 200, dude. See ya. A class? A class? Shit. A lot of them. I mean, algebra, college algebra? Nope. I'm changing my major because I don't want to do this. That's right. But in your major, you went out and you focused because it was something you're actually interested in because college is a scam, right? Like, like, oh, you got to take, you have to take geosci. It's like, dude, I want to study anatomy. What are we doing here? But like for me, neuroanatomy, crush it. Stat 200, I'm just going to get that C so I can stay eligible, you know? Like, so, so funny. You know, that's like, that's real life, man. Well, dude, it's funny because you, how old is Jax? So Jax is going to be seven this December. Okay. So young, man. So yeah. So everybody talks to me about Bobby, you know, like, Hey, is he playing fall ball this year? Playing fall ball this year. This is the first year I let him play fall ball. Mm-hmm. He's almost 10. He turns 10 three days after my birthday. He's a Halloween baby. All right. Nice. And yeah, dude, so what a cool birthday. It's a great he's gonna birthday. Have so much fun when he goes to college. Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh, yeah. He's going to realize his birthday is the best day of the year. Oh, yeah. So, oh, dude. So, you know, when are you going to get Bobby lessons? Like, well, let's get him out there. You know, I'd love to work with him. I'm like, why? Well, dude, he's your kid. He's got a cannon. He's got a gift. He's a natural. Have you seen his swing? Are you teaching him? That? Like, no, he just knows that. No, there's no way that kid knows that swing. I'm like, that's his natural move. I don't know what to tell you. Oh my God, he's gonna he's gonna be better than you. I go, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if he has it in him. Yeah. I don't know if he wants this. But guess what? He's nine. And and dude, at nine years old, I mean, of course, I would watch a big league game and just dream of being on TV. But did I really want it yet? I don't I don't know that I did. Yeah. Like I, I can't remember, Greg. I can't remember working hard until like started getting lessons when I was like 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. And then I still didn't do like the max effort until my freshman year in college yeah. at a JUCO. Like I think people have a disgusting and distorted version of what reality really is for these kids in their athletic development. Yeah. It doesn't need to be right now. If your kid's peaked right now and he's nine, I'm scared for that kid. Yeah. Because everybody's going to catch up to him. Well, you have different types of distorted views. You have the dads who never played sports. And I'll be honest, actually, the dads who never played sports are usually the best ones because they don't know what to expect. So they're just like, I'm, my son's athletic. Amazing. That's great. That's so cool. Rock coach, do what you do. Yeah. Let or you have the guys who were kind of athletic and now they're trying to live through their kids. Right. So I want you to go play division one so I can go tell my friends that you played division one. Dude, Sean, you'd be shocked, right? If you sit on the side of any high school lacrosse game and you sit in the stands, you would think that division one's teams are giving away full scholarships like it's Pez. Oh, my son's getting a full ride to Princeton. Yeah, Ivy Leagues don't give scholarships, man. Oh, my my kid is a full ride to Penn State. No, he's not. I know the head coach. He's there's yeah. there's 22 and a half scholarships to give over the course of an entire team. So unless mm-hmm. your kid is the number one recruit in the entire country, he's paying yeah. for a bunch of stuff. Trust me. Yeah. Um, but it's all about ego and fulfilling my ego. We have a guy out here, man, in one of the towns next to us. They bring their kids to the soccer stuff. And the soccer stuff that Jax is doing is very – foster soccer. If anybody's in the Westchester area, man, foster soccer is phenomenal. They keep it fun. Yeah. Um, 
they really teach the kids fundamentals and they have a good time. They have, they're doing short-sided games to see if the kids like the idea of doing travel soccer, which is great. Mm-hmm. We had this one group come over here, man. There's one dad. He coaches one of the teams and he's, you know, he's yelling at the kids and he's, you know, everything's about grabbing shirts and slide tackles. And then if his kid gets elbowed, he goes on social media and tells everybody about it. And you're just like, Oh my God, dude, I'm just here to like watch my kid get tired. So he goes to bed at night. Like (laughs) I'm just here to talk to other dads and hang out, man. Like, but you know, there's all different types of dads who you've, I've never seen a youth sporting event get ruined by the kids. Let's just put it that way. Never, never dude. There's, there's, um, there's a bunch of stuff going on right now, man. Like, you know, I I've seen parents yell at umpires. I've seen, you know, I posted something last week about a coach. I mean, you saw it, a coach chasing down an umpire and like, dude, you know, jumping at him. It's like, wait a second. And he whiffed too. It was embarrassing. Oh dude, he ate shit. Didn't he? (laughs) He got hit with karma right away. (laughs) Like, dude, if you're going to, if you're going to do that, you better connect. Make it worth it because now everybody knows one, you're slow Two, You can't fight. Yeah. Well, we have a crisis right now across the board in sports in this country right now of getting officials. No one wants to put up with the shit. I know in lacrosse, you know, we live in uh, Westchester, New York, and our guys play in section one. We had two section one games canceled last spring because we couldn't find officials for them. Wow. That's never happened. So, you know, refs are like, dude, I'm not getting paid this tiny amount of money to sit here and get screamed at by a bunch of parents yeah. for two hours every day. No way. And, yeah, and they don't, they don't want the abuse, bro. They don't want the abuse. You yeah. know, I can tell but you they that. shouldn't. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, and, 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 and I'm sitting there the other night coaching my son's game and I'm watching the home plate umpire. I want to say his name so bad on the, I just want to God, this guy balls are bouncing two feet in front of the plate. He's calling them strikes and you can't complain about it. It's a judgment call. Yeah. Then, then the best part is when it gets starts to get darker. Oh no. And, and our lights are, are still messed up from hurricane Ian. They're fixing them in November. Finally. Right. The County's finally getting out there. So he wants to shorten the game because he wants to get it over with. Doesn't care how it ends. These kids are competing to win a ball game. Yeah. My game ended in a tie because he literally on the, on the last out of the game, play at first, bases juiced, winning run on third base, ground ball to third. The kid throws it across the diamond. After bobbling it twice, my my batter runner hit the bag and was breaking down after the bag. The ball was caught and he called him out. Oh yeah, he had, yo he had to get home, man. Was it what like, what day of the serious? week was it? What day of the week? It was it was that was that was a Thursday. Oh, Thursday night football, Thursday. man. He's got to get home, dude. So I looked at him. I said, dude, are you serious? I was like, he was breaking down. He goes, oh, hold on. Let me call. Let me get the booth. Yeah. Yeah. He's out. I'm like, dude. Okay. Like, that like, is actually th- impressive trolling right there. <laughs> asshole, man. He said, let me get the booth, dude. I'm like, I said, I said, really? I said, okay. I said, okay. I was like, it's a nine-year-old game. I get it. Yeah. You don't care about it, but they do. Yeah. You know? And, and so like, I think like to your point, there's a shortage of officials because you know, a lot of coaches like, dude, another, if you would have done that to another coach that can't emotionally regulate, it would have been all over. Yeah. Well, there's another thing too, of if you're going to do something, be accountable and be good at it. 
You know, I, I do. I am totally on that side, too, where, you know, I had an official who's a professional lacrosse official. I was giving him a bunch of crap on Twitter like two years ago, and <laughs> he came on, jumped on Twitter for two seconds to say something snarky to me. And I was like, dude, all you got to do is just do this better. And his, and his excuse was, oh, you, you try it if you think it's so easy. I was like, I didn't say it was easy, but mm-hmm. if I am a roofer and my excuse for the hole in your roof when I'm done is it's hard, I get fired and I get sued, right? Mm-hmm. So like yeah. if you have a whole bunch of parents and kids that are trying to make some memories, you yeah. have a duty to at least give effort, right? And I know like you're getting yelled at, dude, I could never be an umpire. Holy crap. No. You get yelled at after every pitch. Yeah. But if you can't handle it, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like, you know, I'm, and here's how it goes. Well, if you, if, if you want to volunteer your time, then you can go do it. Well, first of all, you're paying them. Okay. You're the the league's paying these. Yeah. The coaches don't get paid. The umps do. The coaches, I don't get paid. Yeah. Like, I mean, and and, you know, like, and so, I mean, in fact, I still pay my kids fee to get in the Mm -hmm. league and I'm a coach, you know? So, I mean, I get it. Like shortage of, officials but like the ones that we do have man y'all got to be better like you know you're taking away from memories yeah that's the thing that's the thing like that's it man like this kid that grounded out to end the game he thought like his whole life was over i'm like bro you're safe his mom comes up to me after the game coach look i have it on camera i'm like i don't need to see it yeah i already already know he was safe i don't it's fall ball no big deal but dang man like to your point like adults like you know we've never see we don't really see kids ruin sports we're seeing the adults the individuals that are supposed to show these kids the way and and that's what i love dude like when i really started connecting with you and and watching you and diving into your content like dude like i could just see the coach that you are you know and i was like dude like this dude is trying to help the youth like he he really gets it he's just not a profile on instagram you know, posting workout stuff. Like, yeah. get it, man. No, I appreciate it. Hell yeah, man. We have to do better for these kids. It's not man. It's not that difficult. Like, my, my the co-founder, my, my business partner, Jerry Ragonese, and I, every day we have a phone call in the morning after I drop my kids off at school, and we literally just say, what would we have wanted? Mm-hmm. How, 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 what would I have wanted as, a, as an athlete? Because this didn't exist when I was a kid. I wanted somebody who felt like they were in their corner, right? We need an advocate. So I'm, I'm your advocate. But I also, you know, I am definitely not. If you like a coach that just pats you on the ass, tell you say how good you are all the time, mm-hmm. uh, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what you need. Now, I'm never going to say it in a snarky way or sarcastically. Mm-hmm. But I will always give you, you know, that shit sandwich where it's like, yeah. that was a really good move. What I want you to change is this because you have really good this and it'll help. But like yeah. – Making sure that, you know, kids leave something. And now as a father, now I'm also on the side of like as a consumer, right? Mm-hmm. So like I said, my sons play sport. I go watch, you know, I can notice if the coach gives a shit or not. I can, mm-hmm. I can tell if he's full of crap. And like you said, the, the Instagram profile thing. Yeah, there's plenty of guys who copy what I do. They try their best and it's all smoke and mirrors, right? It's all mm-hmm. about like, you know, they, you know, lie about who they got recruited or try to copy our, you know, business model or whatever. And, you know, sometimes I have fallen into the like, ugh, these guys suck type of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. But I realized a few years ago, I'm like, yo, if you're the fastest dude on the block, it doesn't matter how, if how many people are running next to you, 
right? Mm-hmm. So like for me, I just stay in my lane and try to beat my own 40 time every day. That's the way I looked at my position when I played the game. And that's the way I look at business. It's like, I know no one's going to outwork me. I'm going to wake up every day like a psycho and I'm going to work. So everything's going to be fine. But I am so fulfilled working with these kids. Now, you know, Sean, the the tough thing that I think a lot of people who might be coaches or mentors out there would kind of relate to, especially in a business standpoint, the one thing that I have had issues with is I have an emotional attachment to every kid that I coach. You know, I got like 6,000 like little brothers out there mm-hmm. and you, you coach them for six to 10 years. You get to know their families. You help them with recruiting. You help them with this and that. And kid gets in trouble at school. You get like a 9 p.m. phone call. But for <laughs> nine out of 10 kids, I ha- I've had to understand that it's a transactional relationship for them. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm yeah. paying this guy money. I want to go to college. Once I get what I want, then a lot of guys kind of like you never hear from them again. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just have to accept that because yeah. if you don't, that's the stuff that keeps you up at night, you know, like, oh, this kid that I really believe in, you know, he's just not listening on this one thing. that's going to cost him his ability to go to his dream school. Dude, you shouldn't care about that more than the kid does, man. Sorry. Dude, it's on him. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, you got to let it go. Of it. So yeah, that's the thing I struggle with the most. I don't know about you as a coach, but for me, I get so, like I said, I'm not surface level. Like I very get, mm-hmm. I am either completely emotionally connected to you or you're just a person that I see down the street sometimes. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard because I'm the same way, yeah. right? I, I think at the, at the grassroots level, it's a little bit different, right? Um, the high school level, um, when I'm helping out at the high school and, and those types of athletes, there's more of a connection there, yeah. right? Because it's, they're almost adults, yeah. you know, like, or for, you know, age age wise, um, I can dive down deeper with them. Um, with the, with the younger kids, for me, I'm really there to show them the right way to do things, right? The, the attitude and efforts, the only thing that they can control, I'm going to be a thorn in their side. If they don't try their best, I can tell like, no, that's not the way we do it Mm -hmm. to a point where they can, I I see these young kids look at me like, dude, you're too much. Like, no, I'm going to tell you the right way. I don't care how old you are. You're going to learn. Right. And, and, and you're going to, you're going to do it well. And you know why? Right. It's because they deserve that, right? Like Hell yeah, they that's the thing is I try to tell them like, I'm, I'm, I'm tough on you because you deserve somebody who's going to help you reach your potential. That's what I care about. That's my most important thing in my life. I was able to reach my potential in something. I know when I, when I faced off and played, there's no way that I could have ever been any better than I personally was. It had no idea, you know, don't compare me to anybody else. Mm-hmm. I reached my potential in something that is such an incredible feeling that I want every kid to have it. Right. So yeah. if you're here spending hundred dollars a week, coming to my sessions, training, texting me at night about this and that, and I, and you're invested and your parents are invested, dude, I'm going to deliver for you, mm-hmm. but you have to accept what I'm going to say. And like, like you said, like, it's not about you. It's about those kids. You're trying desperately to be like, dude, I want you to have this. <laughs> I want you to yeah. be great at this. The hardest thing, the hardest thing that I struggle, it's, it's two things. One is way off the wall that you probably won't even imagine that I would say I'll get there. But one of the struggles is getting the kids to understand that they just need to relax a little bit. Nah. You know, I work one-on-one with a lot of, you know, college baseball players. You know, I, I coach them on their mental performance. I got an sec ball player. That's probably going to go in the first five rounds this in, in July. We're getting to a point where he's just like, 
if this is to be, nothing's going to stop it. That he's a God-fearing man, right? God-fearing family. He knows that if he works hard and whatever the path moving forward is going to be, it's going to be. He, he is not in control of it, right? He's only in control of what he can control, which is his attitude, his effort, his school, showing up as the best possible self he can be. Outside of that, it's out of his control. So he's just going to, he's going to submit to the process. There's too many kids out there that are, let's say in high school focused on, well, this person said I can go in the draft. And all they think about from day one in January is the draft and they lose. They completely lose sight of the team aspect Mm -hmm. and what it says on the front of the Jersey, right? That is travel balls issue. Yes. Okay. Like I, I, I can go, I mean, we could do another episode on travel ball of why I think it's good and why I think it's absolutely detrimental to these children and these parents. It's turned parents into psychopaths. Yes. Okay. It truly has. The The biggest struggle I have as a coach at a high level is, you know what, man, I've lost too many kids. They've lost their lives. That is the hardest thing for me to deal with. It's, it's bone crushing. Right. This last July, we lost someone very close to me, you know, one of my former first basemen, you know, and, and, and that to me being at that, that service and seeing him crushes me. Yeah. It makes me want to do better for everybody else. So when people sit there and say, why is Sean so intense? Why is he so, you know, why is he so on it? Why is he encompass everything? that a mentor should be is because I don't want to see another one of my kids laying there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I take, you know, when people, I I take the term coach very personally. Like I, I Mm -hmm. tell people like you're trusting me with the most important thing in your life, which is your kid. I don't take that lightly at all. And I'm also not here to babysit him for an hour. Like I'm Mm -hmm. here, if he's going to be in my presence, I'm going to deliver for him. And if, and if you don't like that, like if you don't like a guy who's going to tell your kid what he needs to hear, then that's fine. There's totally other, there's to- so many other options for him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, yep. you know, I-, I take the mentorship of this very, very personally and very seriously because look, man, that's what I, I would have loved that. I'm an, I'm the oldest of four. I didn't have mm-hmm. an older brother or an older figure or cousin or anybody to like be like, dude, do this. Cause it's going to help you a lot. Like I had to figure everything out on my own and, and my father, mm-hmm. you know, bless him. He didn't play sports. So, you know, he'd give some, you know, he'd give some, some wisdom. He'd be like, yeah, dad, you absolutely don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> I will hang like pictures with you all day, but I will not listen to you when it comes to how to swing a baseball <laughs> I <love> bat. <laughs> I love it, man. We got to land the plane here, buddy. Yep. Um, but let me ask you, uh, you know, I want you to, um, a couple things. First and foremost, tell people, well, no, let's do this. Let's do this one first. If you could give these young athletes one piece of advice that's going to get them through mentally and all the adverse situations that they're going to encounter on their baseball, football, lacrosse, or soccer, or whatever sport they're playing on their journey, what would that be? The first thing I would say would have been um, what I had mentioned earlier and being learning to be analytical rather than emotional. And, you know, I mean, having a sports psychologist or a therapist in your life can help you kind of down that road. The other thing I would say, and I say this whenever I'm interviewing somebody to bring them on, um, to work for me is know your worth. And I think some people take that the wrong way. Knowing your worth doesn't mean I deserve whatever I want. No, no. Mm -hmm. Literally knowing your worth as in how much did you put into it? How much are you willing to put into it? And then how much do you deserve in return? Right. Mm -hmm. And that goes for 
sports, the classroom, your job, your relationships. Like if I'm not giving, if I, I can't expect something if I'm not giving the exact same amount, right? So if I'm right. sitting there and I'm like, oh, coach, you know, why am I not playing over that kid? Well, that kid comes to practice every day, 15 minutes early. And that kid practices his jump shot when I told him that's the specific thing he needs to work on. You won't do those things. So no, you're not going to play in front of him. And the direct correlation is that kid's better than you because of it, right? So knowing your worth as in don't accept anything less than what you deserve, but don't also think that you deserve more than what you're willing to put into it. And I think that's like a really important thing for kids to understand or anybody really. Oh, absolutely, man. That's the hard truth, right? And that's why we do it. The title of coach is very important. Transparency should be part of that, you know, title or definition. One more thing. Why don't you tell the audience a little where they can find you, how they could work with you if they're on a fitness journey. Um, They want to hire you remotely, but then also, you know, for these lacrosse uh, individuals that can find can find some tutelage from you and your your partner. Sure. Yeah. So on all social platforms, Greg Beast 32. I have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Greg Grenlian. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, those links are all in my profile. I uh, specialize in face-off training, education, and um, recruiting. And I also am a former strength coach um, and a USAW. So I have a website called theofficialbeastlab.com where you can either, I have a bunch of different interviews with other strength coaches of different realms. I also have, uh, you know, on that YouTube channel, there's a whole library of movements, including land-based stuff, landmine-based stuff. I love the landmine, uh, landmine university. I learned a lot of stuff from it. And I love it. Um, and I can also be a remote mentor, uh, face-off coach uh, for an athlete that wants to learn to take things to a, you know, the highest possible level. And that's all on there as well. So yeah, that's where you can find me. That's awesome, man. I, I appreciate you, dude. And thank you for spending so much time with my audience. And it was just awesome to connect with you on a Friday, bud. Yeah, man. Yo, you have an awesome weekend, my brother. It was good talking to thank you. Thank you, bro. You too, man. Peace out, guys. Southwest Florida is one of the most beautiful places on the planet to live. For those of you that are thinking of moving from other states to come to Florida, or even just moving to a different part of the state, I want you to think of a big, beautiful luxury home. Contact Legacy Luxury Builders. They are a family-owned and operated luxury residential construction company. As a family-owned business, they believe in the power of building not just homes, but legacies. Contact Legacy Luxury Builders. Unlock your true potential on the field and court with our peak mental performance program for athletes. Train your mind to conquer challenges, stay focused under pressure, and achieve unparalleled success. Our expert coaches will guide you through personalized techniques, enhancing concentration, resilience, and confidence. Picture yourself outperforming your rivals, making split-second decisions with clarity, and achieving victory like never before. Join us today and elevate your game to new heights. Peak Mental Performance Program, where champions are forged in the mind. Email me today, sean.french at thedeterminedsociety.com for more information. See you inside.